And we believe that every time we open the words of Scripture, that good things can happen because God is alive and at work and he speaks to us through his word and through the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read a couple of verses from a little book called One Thessalonians. Towards the end of your Bible, don't worry if you need to use the contents page to find out where that is. It is a little one that's easy to miss. I'm going to read from 1 Thessalonians 1. I'm just going to read verses 4 and 5. And they say this. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. And just for a few minutes now, I want to focus on that middle sentence. Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. I was online this week and saw a little clip of a guy called Martin Lloyd-Jones. I don't know if any of you have come across him, a, a church leader in the middle of the last century, mainly at Westminster Chapel in London. This great preacher wrote loads of books and was kind of uh, followed all over the world because he was thought to be an expert and he's a brilliant preacher. And in this video, he was asked this question. What is the thing that the church needs most in these days? What's the one thing, you know, what would you put top of your prayer list, Martin Lloyd-Jones? What do you pray for more than anything? And in response, really wisely, I think, he quoted this verse. He said, the church needs to proclaim the gospel and needs to proclaim it not only with words, but with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. Now, Martin Lloyd-Jones, to me, is one of those preacher types, right? He writes books. He's wordy. That's what he did for a living. He was known as a great preacher, and he is. But even he, when he was asked the question, what does the church most need, said it needs the gospel, but it needs not simply to come with words, but with power and the Holy Spirit and the deep conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit. He knows that words on their own aren't going to be enough. And I'd say that's a conviction of ours too. The good news about Jesus is the message of this church. It's the thing that I'll harp on about again and again and again. His love and his forgiveness. His power and his teaching. His freedom, the transformation that we find in him. The presence and the peace uh, that we get from him. His ability to be with us forever and be faithful like we've already sung. That is our good news. That is the message and if that's our message, the first dimension of what we're called to do is to worship him, to say thank you, God, that that could ever be true. Whilst I did nothing for you, you've done everything for me. Whilst I deserve nothing, I don't even deserve your attention. It's a wonder that you even know who I am. You've given me life and love and forgiveness. The first dimension of what we do in response is worship, that all of this is true. The second dimension of our response is to take this message in. We might call this discipleship. It's to consider the gospel and then to let the gospel change us. Because this message cannot just land and do nothing in us. This message, if it's really taken into our hearts, has to change us. Because we hear that we were created, we're not just random. We're loved, we're not just ambivalently held by someone that we don't know. 
that there's a chance for forgiveness and peace, even though the world is all about retribution and anxiety. That message has to change us. But it's a little bit like what happened after all that dry weather. I remember them saying, look, the land is parched. It's about to rain and we really need it to rain. But you know what's going to happen first off is that we're probably going to get floods. And I'm thinking, why are we going to get floods? We've got no water anywhere. And they said, because the land is so hard, the water hits it, runs straight off as if it was tarmac, gets into the rivers far too quick, and then floods come. That can be a little bit what happens in our heart when we get this message of grace. Our hearts can be so hard and brittle that the message bounces off us, if you like. And what we need to do is to let it soak in, to hear the gospel again and again and again, and let it soften our hard edges. Let it transform our minds. It won't just happen overnight. It'll be day after day after day, letting the goodness of God soak into us so that we can never be the same. The third dimension then, after worship and after discipleship, is to proclaim this message to others. Not just in words, but in power. Telling and showing other people the good news of the gospel of Jesus with the Holy Spirit bringing conviction to people who hear it. I am completely convinced that one word inspired by the Holy Spirit with the deep conviction and the demonstration of his power that comes along with it, one word inspired by the Holy Spirit is worth more than 10,000 words inspired by any other source. I'm convinced that one weak word lent on the power of God has more impact than 10,000 of our words with puffed-up human imaginary strength. Paul himself, writer of most of the New Testament, says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. The simple thought I want to give you today is that the gospel, the good news about Jesus, trying to live this life for him, coming to church, it should never just be about words. It should never just be a thing that you've got to believe or not believe, a a message to understand. The gospel is also something to be seen, to be lived, to be enjoyed even. There is power that comes with the gospel. And I want us to be the kind of church that sees the word and the power always stay together, that sees speech and demonstration always hand in hand, Speaking and doing, always united, pulling in the same direction to help people see our Lord and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. When people come here, I want them to hear the gospel and to see the gospel. When people meet you guys who are part of this church, I want them to see the truth of the gospel and experience the power of the gospel. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, the Bible says that where God is nothing is impossible. That where for us things are possible and not possible, there's things that we just can't do, where God is, all things are possible. Miracles, 
things that break the bounds of our natural order, healings at supernatural rates in supernatural kinds of ways. There's things that can happen when God is in the room that can't happen in any other way. And I don't want us just to be a people who speak. I want us to be a people who speak and back it up with words of power that show people that the gospel is true. There's a church leader in America called Jordan Seng. And he's this amazing guy whose church has seen these incredible things happen. And I think people often go to him and say, Jordan, how do you see all this crazy stuff happen? You know, it sounds a bit more like acts in the Bible at your church when I've been to loads of others that don't really feel like that. What's different about yours? And he's really humble and he's really simple. And he just says, well, for us, faith is spelt T-R-Y. Faith is spelt try. He says, we don't always know what's going to happen we don't always know whether our prayers are going to get answered, but what we will always do is try. And as we try a bit, and then try a bit more, and then try again, yeah, we fail, but we would have failed anyway if we hadn't have done it, right? And bit by bit, we start to see God do stuff, and that gives us more confidence and a bit more understanding of some of the things that seem to be at work. And then bit by bit, as we share that with each other and we form a community that does that, our faith as try starts to see these amazing things happen. For them, it's all just about giving it a go, for asking the question, for trusting that God really is able to do the impossible. And what I want to be the case here is that when we gather, it's a bit like a lab for all this stuff, that we gather and we say, okay, if God's here, then nothing is impossible. So let's see what that might look like today. Might that look like people who are in debt praying and having their debt written off supernaturally? Might that look like people who are addicted to something walking in, not being addicted to it as they walk out? Might that look like people who've got physical illnesses or diseases that we can't see in mind or body, walking in with them but not walking out with them? Might that look like any number of other things as an expression of God's love? Because where he is, all things are possible. Of course, we also see the gospel outworked in compassion, in justice, in things like tools for school. We see families being ordered in the way that the Bible would teach, in reconciliation, in truth being shared. All of those are demonstrations of the gospel. But even the Bible itself says that Jesus came and his message was authenticated. It's almost like it was verified. It was given a seal of approval by the things that happened when this message was preached. If you hear about Jesus but never see a difference in anyone or yourself, you've got a question to ask about, did I really hear about Jesus? Because everywhere I see on the pages of the New Testament, where he turns up, people change, and it's normally for the better. People come who are selfish and they leave generous. People come who are lame and they leave walking. People come who are blind and they leave seeing. People come who've got troubles in all sorts of ways, and they leave with hope and purpose, having found it in him. What I wanted to say to you today, and now give a chance for us to pray that it might be true, is yes, I want you to hear the gospel. There is a God who loves you, who went to the cross to take from you all that stuff which you've done wrong and I've done wrong. All that stuff which separates us from him, the barrier to our relationship. He said, I'll deal with it because you can't. And his offer is that you receive that today if you've never received it before.
I want you to hear about that gospel again and again and again. But I also want you to see the gospel in your own life, in the life of the people around you here today, in the life of people that will come to this church later. This isn't just a message to be heard. It's a thing to be seen. And part of that comes when we bring our impossibilities to Jesus. Because often he can't fix something that you've not brought to him. No one can pray for something that you've not let in. So what we're going to do now is just have a moment to pray. Joel's going to lead us in some worship in a moment. But what I'd love for you to do is to be honest with Jesus about the things that you would love to see the gospel in. You might have heard it before and it might sound good. It might sound like it works. But I want you to see the gospel at work in your life today. So Jesus, as we reflect now, I pray that you'd give us the faith to go into those deep parts of our hearts, those things that we've locked off because they're too painful really to consider, and to bring them out to a loving God even now. Lord, those prayers that we've put to one side because they seem like they were too big and too unlikely to happen, pray that you'd help us get those out again and to bring them to you. Because where you are, all things are possible. And everything bows at the power of your name.